This is the Metaphysical Connection Paranormal News of the Week, recorded on October 18th, 2018. I'm reading this off of the website, The Inquisitor, from a news story written by Rondalee Jean Doler, which was published earlier today. The story reads as follows. Former U.S. Air Force photo technician Carl Wolf who claimed that he saw secret NASA photos of alien structures on the surface of the moon, has died at the age of 74. According to Fox News and other news networks now, the famous ufologist died in a bicycle accident in Langsey, New York, where he was fatally hit by a tractor trailer. Wolf was rushed by a nearby hospital, and he later died of his injuries. The story continues to say, Wolf shot to fame in 2001 when he alleged that the U.S. Space Agency is intentionally covering up the existence of alien structures on the dark side of the moon. The former airman made his controversial claims at an event in Washington, D.C., organized by Stephen Greer, a ufologist who founded the Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence and the Disclosure Project, which calls for the disclosure of allegedly secret UFO information. Again, that's from the website The Inquisitor, published earlier this morning on October 10th, 2018. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, honestly, on the surface, it seems plausible. It seems plausible. So that it was just an accident, or that this is yeah, that it was that it was just an accident. Yeah, um, I think we're going. I don't know that he was looking to talk to anyone. I mean, it would seem to me that the theory that you know they killed him before he could say anything damning would have had more relevance when he was still in NASA. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, I just, I don't, I don't really see unless he had somehow gotten hold of new information. Yeah, I just don't see why they would bother doing it now. Uh, now, having said that, if all of a sudden a lot of other people that are going through and you know that have, you know, NASA leakers or whatever, if all of them start disappearing, then okay, that's a trend and that means something different. But just yeah, on the surface of it, it I don't see anything that would lead me to think it was anything other than he got hit by a truck. Yeah. Uh, do you think that there's anything? Sp- suspicious about this at all i really i kind of don't i mean the only thing suspicious about it is that he looked actually a lot younger than 74 but other than that other than that (laughs) (laughs) other than that i don't think there's anything really suspicious about the nature of the death like i said i've i've actually been to lansing new york it's um by lake cuyahoga uh cuyahoga excuse me not cuyahoga cuyahoga um which is one of the finger lakes in upstate new york outside of ithaca and i mean it's a nice area trucks are over there there are big trucks all the time over there they call it a tractor truck tractor trailer mm-hmm. um i don't know you'd be an idiot to be driving on a highway that's frequented by tractor trailers but you know whatever we don't know hey we don't know the region because i seem to recall that area's got a lot of like bike trails and stuff yeah. too so yeah we don't know the circumstances though i think that we should hold off on any other judgment until we uh get more information but of yeah. course i mean it you know i'm i'm telling you this does fit the mold of a perfect conspiracy theory Oh, it does. Um, It really does. And I think that we are going to find out more about this as time progresses. But I did want to just record uh, an amendment or an appendix and put it in the front of the show just to let people know, yes, we do know about this news story. And we are (laughs) going to follow this and we are going to be talking about this in the not too distant future. All right. Sounds good. All right. We just wasted 10 minutes trying to get each other on the line and yep. get this 
get this party started. Get the podcast going here. Here we go. So here's Jay Cousineau with Paranormal News of the Week for October 20th, 2018. And how the hell did it become 2018? How did that happen? I don't know. Um, I kind of remember vaguely like 2002 and then there's like this whole blur of stuff that happened and then all of a sudden 2018. I'm blaming the CERN Collider personally. Okay. I, I think it's a... Uh, I think it's the Mandela effect. Some sort of weird. <laughs> I can't. I cannot tell you how many times where somebody will say, "Hey, do you remember that time when we uh, we found the goat and that duffel bag of a hundred dollar bills and the book of enchantments <laughs> and the two shovels and the thirteen black candles? Do you remember?" <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah." Okay, I guess I do. I think. <laughs> And you picked it up and you started reading it. I said, Jay, I didn't know you could read Latin. And you said, neither did I. <laughs> uh, Wish I could speak well. So, so anyway, I, I have a couple of interesting news items. And I wonder if you have some interesting news items. And if you don't, we'll just wing it with what I got. Okay, let's just wing it with what you got. Because I, I did, I was kind of poking around last night and then the kids kind of started interrupting. So, yeah, that's always fun. That, yeah. That is, oh, I'm going to start off the show here talking about um, uh, I, the kids and the wife went to the in laws um, mm -hmm. last week. And um, opening night, opening weekend for the Neil Armstrong biopic. Bio Do we still call them biopics? Um, yeah, I guess might as well anyway. The docu, the the pseudo documentary movie, not a documentary. It's just a bio drama of uh, Neil Armstrong and the Last Man, and uh, it was an okay movie. I will be absolutely totally honest with you. It was it was more than just okay. It's a oh, really it's a movie that you want to see on the big screen. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a big, huge, big budget uh, movie. They they definitely you can see every nickel and dime that they spent on the screen. I think. Um, and they they did a great job with all the scenes with Neil Armstrong and the other astronauts um, heading off into space or um, riding the the uh, the test planes or or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it it looks phenomenal and terrifying. And the two things that I got out of when I went when I left the movie theater is I can't believe that movie was so long and it went by so fast and it looks like traveling in the space is probably the worst job you can possibly imagine <laughs> it because you it, it looks like at any minute everything is going to rattle and fall apart and 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 fly into pieces um, every everything looks dangerous and scary and you couldn't pay me enough money for me to get in that capsule and go into space the way that it was depicted in last man yeah. um, one thing that I I thought was and they're and they're not playing this up it's a it's a really a movie about a man and his wife who lose their daughter to cancer at a very early age and he tries to spend the rest of his life in quiet isolation while mourning her loss huh. and they really nail down the sense of even when neil armstrong is in a room full of people he is still alone yeah 
and and how it screwed up his marriage and how it, how it how his search for quiet isolation caused a rift between him and his his two other kids his two sons yeah and there are there I'm telling you it's it, it it is filmed in such a way that you can you actually feel as if you traveled into space for those uh for those brief moments now there was some hullabaloo online about them not showing the american flag or not showing yeah. him planting the American flag yes. while they were on the moon. There's a reason for that. Uh, um, I, under, I understand why the, the choice they made um, politically. Yeah. But my problem is that it was a political choice. Um, I don't mind when they make variations from reality based on artistic choices, but they made a choice to do that based on their political desires. So they were saying it's more of a human achievement than an American achievement. And while I agree with that to some extent, it is also a unique yeah. American achievement. And also, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but from my understanding, Armstrong was actually a very, very strong patriot. Doesn't even it does not even touch that issue. Doesn't even talk about Neil Armstrong's patriotism in the movie at all. Right. And that is for me, that is a d- disturbing trend within within Hollywood and, w- and within the movies that they make is that they take people who are good people and try and show and try and downplay the aspects of their personality yeah. that don't fit within the confines of their what they consider to be the traits of a good people. For example, like the uh, the musical Hamilton, which apparently everyone is seeing, even though no one can get tickets to it. Yeah. You know, um, Alexander Hamilton was a lot of things. Yes. And they are only playing up those things which conform to their own political ideologies. Exactly. Yeah. And um, granted, it's a musical, so you can only expect so much faithfulness to reality because other than outside of my own house, people generally don't break into song for no reason whatsoever. Are, so Really? I, it, ha- yeah. it happens to me all the time. It happens well, all the time. A crazy <laughs> love of mine. And usually people tell me to stop. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in my house, we tend to join in because we just don't care what it sounds like. So yeah. at least that's what I've been told anyway. You know, yeah. first time it happened with one of my daughter's friends that were over, they were like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, um, so I personally find that that's that's a disturbing trend I find in Hollywood. I haven't yeah. gone to a movie in the theater unless it's something that I think I really need to see yeah. on the big screen. Yeah. Because even then, to some extent, you know, like I, I have like a 40 inch TV at my house. Really? I can I can get a lot of that experience now. Yeah. At home. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't have to deal with the, the lines. I don't have to deal with the the overpriced snack yeah. items, you know, and, and all that other crap. So, I, yeah. And I should for not me, be- if it's a movie that I'm seeing, I, I need to see it on a 20 foot tall screen. You yeah. Know? And it sounds like. I was excited when I first heard about this movie, but then, you know, you start hearing about the political stuff. Excuse me. You start hearing about the political stuff. And honestly, I try to avoid hearing too much about movies because of that. Yeah. But did that, did you feel, was that true? First of all, you you mentioned that they didn't, they didn't talk about it at all, but it's, did it seem like they were avoiding it? No, because the entire story about Neil Armstrong is Mm -hmm. about his desperate need to get the hell away from everybody else. 
so that he can mourn his his daughter. It seemed to I me how true that is though. It yeah, well it because the thing is is that this story is based on somebody's biography of Neil Armstrong. The entire thrust of the movie, Neil Armstrong is r- r- trying to race as far away from his grief of his dead daughter as he possibly can. Everything is motivated and informed by his desire to get away from his grief of his dead daughter. Being mm. a, being the best astronaut and just being in the moment when facing death, whether it's during the X-34 project, I might be wrong, it might be X-33, X-35, you know, whatever it takes. Um, <laughs> the, the the Gemini program, the training, he, he everything revolves around the, being the best astronaut because he is trying to escape his grief surrounding his daughter's death. That's it. Everything and yeah, and, and not, here's nothing. Here's my question, though, yeah. because from, granted, I'm not, an, I'm not a Neil Armstrong expert, right. but outside of that that one book, yeah. I haven't heard much about that causing him to to attempt to isolate himself. I have no, I, no. Ha, I, I, I can't, I can't tell you why they decided to tell that story, that specific aspect of the story. But for me, and after you know, after I saw it, that's all I have to say about the movie is yeah. that everything revolved around him being the best astronaut that he could for this reason. And that's now, the, was it was yeah. it Neil Armstrong that was um, he was they were testing a rocket or something, and then the rocket blew up and he was fine and then like a couple hours later he was sitting in an office filling out the paperwork regarding it and one of the other astronauts walked past him and saw him in the office and said um, Neil didn't you blow up this morning and <laughs> something, said, yeah and it generates a lot of paperwork yeah something it, there was a there was the first scene in the movie when there was a failure with the thrusters for the X-34 I might be wrong it may not be the X-34 but I'm calling it the X-34 because this is my podcast damn it um, dang right and uh, the th- and the thing is is that um, the equipment failed, the uh-huh. rocket failed, and they don't know why the rocket failed. And once he was able to figure out a way by you know by turning the the the, the rocket a certain way, it's a, r- a rocket plane, turning it just right, hit the thrusters, so he'll start to stop skipping off the atmosphere and fly back down to um, uh, uh, Salt Lake or I, the Salt Flats of. Uh, uh, Mojave Desert, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And um, um, back to Edwards Air Force Base. And the, and the thing is, is that they, try, they, they wanted to pin it on pilot error and they wanted to ground Neil Armstrong um, because somehow, it, somehow it's, it can't be the equipment's fault. This is the most advanced rocket plane we've ever made. It can't be the, ro- the rocket's fault. It has to be Neil's fault. We're going to ground Neil until we can figure out what really happened. And sitting yeah. on his desk is an application form for the Gemini program. And, 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 he, and the, the way that they picked Neil Armstrong is he's just a very quiet guy. He's a quiet... He's yeah, no, a, that, that he, rings true from other things I've read. He's a quiet guy, and he doesn't actually say, screw this, I'm leaving for the Gemini program. He just fills out the form and goes and he does an interview. Um, another problem that I had with the movie is that you don't know who anybody else is with the with the exception of like two or three different characters. I had no idea that this guy, this actor was playing Gene Krantz. I had no idea this guy was playing Dean Slaken. I had no 
idea this guy was Michael Collins or mm-hmm. this guy was Buzz Aldrin. Because if you if you miss, hey, Buzz, how you doing? If you miss that because you're crunching on your burnt popcorn too loudly, you miss that. I had no idea yeah. who anybody was, even though I, I know quite a bit about the, about the uh, the space program. I, I didn't know yeah. who anybody was. And it was a little that frustrating. Sounds, that's, that would be disappointing to me because, I don't know, to me, it would be more interesting. It's, it's interesting to learn about Neil yeah. Armstrong, the person. Yeah. But at the same time, it would be as I understood things from various other sources that I've yeah. read. Yeah. Um, Neil Armstrong had some really strong friendships yes. with some of the other pilots that oh, were involved he, he in the program. In, in this movie, he has um, a very close friendship. I'm not going to spoil it. He has a he he has a very close friendship one of the, with one of the astronauts who passes away in in yeah. in, a, in in Apollo One. And yeah, he he mourns that. He's quiet about it for a little bit, and he just plows forward and yeah. and the thing is the one thing that they keep harping on over and over and over again is that he is a very quiet person he's quietly dealing with the grief of the death of his daughter and the reason why he's trying to be the best astronaut is that he's running away from his grief and only to take it with him wherever he goes and I think that's a very strong message planting the American flag on the moon is not part of the story of him running away from his grief as crazy yeah. as it sounds no 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 I, I- understand that and and i i get that i just wonder I just wonder how true that is i don't know you know yeah it's, and that's yeah that's kind of my problem with it is is they find they find these ideas that they hear about these people and then they present yeah. them and then for the rest of you know the social con- once it's in the social consciousness that's how the social consciousness thinks yep. of that person yeah yep. and, that's, and it. that's it that is yeah exactly and that's the that's the issue i have with that like to kind of segue a little bit towards like the main thrust of this of the podcast you know um, for example, it's it's more welcoming now. So yeah. Social consciousness is towards think certain things. Like for example, if you think you saw a unidentified flying object, right. social consciousness is more inclined to not ridicule you outright right. over it. Right. Until you say things like, "Oh yeah, it was a cube and it was flying in and out of the sun." In which case, you know, stand by. But um, that's one of our that's that's one of our news items we were going to talk about later later today. Yeah, yeah. You sent me the link and I read the article. I'm like this. This this is just I don't know I'm not sure I'm buying this one. No, that's the um, whole. That's, the, the, that's the whole point of the podcast. If you have a though. spiritual experience, yeah. If, for example, you're on a ranch that was set up in oh, just to you know, let's just make something up. Say you're on you're on farmland that took that is that was created when the pioneers first arrived out in Utah in the Salt yeah. Lake Valley in the 1840s, 1850s, right. whenever the heck it was, and you know you you have you are overcome almost by a, a darkness that literally starts creeping in on you and you hear someone who's also walking out there with you scream out in pain and they suddenly have claw marks on their side underneath their clothes and it's literally bleeding. When you say things like that, people are, yeah, okay, whatever. The mind can do weird things. And it's like, "Mm, yeah, I can, but I'm not aware of the mind actually being able to cause the body to rip itself open. Yeah, exactly. That in and of itself would be a paranormal experience in other words it would be an experience outside what we accept as normal yeah so you know so it's so to me it's um in getting things into the social consciousness i don't i don't necessarily ascribe to their to the social consciousness being something that can affect reality outside of the fact that that is how things are remembered that is how things are acknowledged so when things are put out into the social consciousness, like, you know, to kind of delve into politics a little bit, Brett Kavanaugh is always going to be known forever 
as that guy who tried to rape that girl when they were teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's but, it. And there's nothing related to truth or verification involved in that. That has been what has been pushed out into the social consciousness. So for me, I would like to see us as a society, I would like to see the social consciousness being more accepting to yeah. things that, that we, you know, were told as that we were told as kids were fake. Yeah. You know, like in my generation, in our generation, there was there was a strong parenting movement that says, you know, you shouldn't tell your kids about Santa Claus because that's lying to your kids. Uh huh. Yeah. And now everyone's bitching about my generation's children, how they can't handle reality and all this other kind of stuff because <laughs> they were coddled. Yeah. And I look at my friends who are my age and I just look at them and I go, well, congratulations, you're bitching about your children. Yeah. Yeah. That means you are a failure as a parent. So eh, we told my kids yeah. about Santa Claus and you know what? They've all got a good, strong work ethic. They can handle being told no. They can handle being disciplined at work in a professional manner right. kind of a thing. So clearly one of us did something right and the other one's just bitching about yeah. stuff they did wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you pay, and parent, parenting is hard. Parenting is hard. And speaking of doing hard things, I'm, I'm debating about and I'm actually putting in a marker right now. Mm-hmm. I'm putting the marker in. I don't know if whether or not this is going to stay in the show and whether or not I should even address this. This is a little controversial. Um, I've been because I've been doing podcasts for off and on for the past. Geez, can I uh, eight years, maybe eight, ten or eight years? I was, was going to say closer to ten. I think. OK. And the thing is, is that podcasting is hard Mm -hmm. doing a podcast is probably one of the hardest things i have ever had to do and you're talking out in the ether and you've got not getting any immediate response or the immediate response that i get is skewed either people love what i do because they love me as a person or they hate what i do because they don't like me as a person and that's fine i can accept that Mm -hmm. And doing a podcast on a certain topic, there is a little element of competition, which I think is crazy. Whereas mm-hmm. it's like if you have if you have 10 people doing their own podcasts on the topic of paranormal and they're all about an hour or so long, that's that's 10 hours of material that you can enjoy during the week. And they and <laughs> I don't think they all come out at the same day. And the nature of podcasting is you can listen to it whenever you want. Right. I don't understand why it has to be a competition. I don't understand why it has to be. I have to beat this other guy this other guy i have to i have to beat him and be and get more numbers than him and i have to like cr- you know i have to crush the competition I, I i don't understand why it has to be like that I, and well eric i'm 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 surprised you don't know this people can only hear a certain amount of words over the internet because oh really you know, there's, there's there's just a finite amount of words people can actually hear oh really okay that's why there's this fierce competition because it's not like you can just create more words and put them on the internet and then people will hear it. Oh, okay. Oh, that, so. that, that explains it. Um, I mean, I, I understand that if a podcast goes too long, people start to go pass out and go to sleep and they move on to something else. I understand that. And I respect that. Um, there's another podcaster who does a podcast on the topic of the paranormal, supernatural, other things that go bump in the night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for when, when I first started the metaphysical connection, um, 
um, I thought it would be great if I, I reached out to this guy and said, hey, let's do some cross promotion. I even published the links to his podcast on the Fedora Chronicles main site on mm-hmm. Sunday morning, part of my Paranormal Sunday segment of the website. Never heard back from this guy. Never. I never heard. Thank you. Whatever. I mean, you know what? I take that back. I, I think he did say thank you once or twice. And when I said, hey, listen, I can be on your podcast. You could be on my podcast. Um, let's have at it. Didn't hear from this guy. Um, hmm. Could you could you put a, um, a link to my podcast on your website? Didn't hear back from him. He was he had no problem with me promoting his website, but he would not promote my website or my podcast the way I was. He wouldn't reciprocate. Right. And yeah. so at, at some point, I forget it. I, I don't I don't even go to his uh, website anymore and I don't participate on his forum anymore. I'm done. Yeah, I get it. I, so he sent me a solicitation for um, advertising. He wanted me to pay to advertise on his site and he sent me his <laughs> advertising schedule. The money that he wanted for just one commercial was more than my family's food budget for the month. Now, was he, was this particular person, did he have a large following? He, I think he had a large following or he has a large following. This is after I had had given him a free promotion on my site and I have a large following. I, I don't, I'm not saying it's as large or larger than his, but I, we have a following. We have a, a we have dozens of people all over the world who listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I looked at it and I and I I looked at the 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 uh, the advertising schedule the, and his rates. I can't afford this. And what That's and crazy. the thing is is that and 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 the other one, the one that would actually benefit me, something that I think that okay, that's more than my family's income. That's a that's that's like that's a week's paycheck for one ad on his show. And he already has other advertising. He has advertising. He has other people advertising on his. Is. Now, now I'm getting now I'm getting less letters from him. Every, all of all of his followers are now getting letters from him saying, "Oh, things are desperate. Things are hard. You got to contribute." I'm really hard up. I'm 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 really hard up. I'm really desperate. I'm really broke. I'm you know I I really need yeah. money. I need you guys to contribute. I need you. I need money. I you know, things are really bad. Never once have I even. I, I never once thought of saying, hey, guys, this, uh, you know, um, I don't have any gas to put in the Ford Flex. I have, I, I, you know, never once did I think about shaming my audience. Well, that's the that's the thing, right? You know, like I was talking earlier about the social consciousness of how things go out there. Um, when you're talking into a microphone and you're not getting that feedback, I think it depends on your personality type. You can start putting whatever you want yeah. as being the audience's reaction, right? Yeah. And then you hear people on like talk radio or whatever, and they're shilling for money. And, you know, and, and like, you know, there's some talk radio people. I think there was someone on NPR who used yeah. to always refer to his audience as my friends. Yeah. You know? And you can get that in your head. Oh, these people care for me. Right. And, and I, I think that's um, that, that's part of the reason why Hollywood does what it does is because they're placing themselves in the audience and they're saying, what would I like to see? Or, you know, I the audience cares about me and what I think kind of a thing, which is why you end up with people like Alec Baldwin getting their third or fourth political show. And it, none of them are doing any better right, than yeah. the other any of the previous ones did. 
because while it's amusing to see Alec Baldwin lampoon the President of the United sure. States on SNL, no one really gives a crap what his personal opinion is about the President of the United States. Yeah, or, you know? or so politics in it, general. I mean... Exactly, exactly. You know, so... Um, it sounds like he is buying into his own mental impression of his own audience. Whereas you're saying you seem to be of the mindset that, you know, this is what I'm talking yeah. about. And I'm, this is the purpose of this podcast is to talk about this kind of a thing. Um, if people want to support you, they're going to go on Patreon. Yeah, I see no I see personally, I don't see any any problem with saying, hey, if you like this podcast and you want to contribute, you know, go to Patreon. Patreon tends to have a reward system yeah. for those who um, who do donate. Yeah. You know, like there's a couple of artists that I donate to a couple of people that are trying to put together a business that I donate to. And I think I donate like $10 a month overall to everybody. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, but there's little, just little things, you know, like well, one of, the, thing, one of yeah. the artists just sends out an email that has, you know, a picture in it that they drew that you can then download and print if you want or save for a desktop or whatever. Right. Then it's only going out to people that have donated money to, to this particular, to this person. So you, you can't get into you know, this. Yeah. Go ahead, Jay. I didn't mean yeah, to interrupt so, you. Yeah. The, 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 the Patreon thing I think is fine, but it comes, it's, it's another matter entirely when you're sending out an email to your, everyone that subscribed saying, pay me money, please. I can't handle it. I think you know? it's, it's like the NPR factor. Right. Where Whereas, you know, um, there there are some mornings they do nothing but, you know, pledge drive. Oh, we really need your money. We really need your money. If you if you want to keep hearing the news, you need to send yeah. us money. Send us money. Please, please. We're begging you, please. They're literally begging for money. And and the yeah. thing is that it was just like it's a the fastest way to alienate your audience is yeah. to to beg. And the thing is, is that we do. We have some Patreons. Thank you very much. We have people who buy things on Zazzle. Zazzle.com. Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. You can buy products. Buy products. 12% of everything that you buy helps support the podcast. But the thing is, this is my hobby. This is my labor of love. This is what I do. I'm not making yeah. a lot of money at this. I'm, you know, and the thing is that it was, it, it's like, uh, I'm doing this because of our, for our loyal listeners, but also because I actually enjoy putting out a show. Yeah. And it was just like, I'm, n I'm not going to be able to drop my kids off at the preparatory school in my Bentley while I'm driving to the yacht club to have uh, gin and tonic with the rest of the swells. It's not going to yeah, happen. It's well, the caviar last week was not beluga, and I was just so disappointed. Oh, is this really? Is this Russian vodka, Buffy? <laughs> I drink nothing but Russian vodka with my martini. <laughs> it must be from Eastern Russia. I don't do the Western Russia. It's too. It's just. It's just too settled now. It's. It's almost like European vodka. Listen, Jason. But, if you're going to have a decent martini, you have to have your vermouth imported uh, from Madagascar. Madagascar <laughs> vermouth is only the finest of all. My my vodka must be Russian, and my vermouth must be from Madagascar. And don't try and fool me with those Filipino uh, olives either, because that's just not the same thing. You they, are they don't even pit them properly. Jay, you are <laughs> such a prude. You are. <laughs> but that's, so, that. I don't know, to me that's just... You're not going to make things, millions of dollars unless you are a big name like, let's say, um, uh, 
Dennis Miller, Tyson, Dennis Miller. You look at somebody like Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller has spent a lifetime building a brand, building a name, a a, a label. Now, people have called me the Dennis Miller of the paranormal without the talent, you know, but I mean, and you do it for the fun of talking about the paranormal and speak about the fun in paranormal. We have some other news stories that we have to get to. Yes. Yes, we do. Oh, so this is Listen to uh, us nattering on like a couple of old bitties. No. Um, <laughs> so um, let's see here. Uh, this is from the UK Express UFO news alien spaceship filmed outside the International Space Station in NASA live feed. An alien UFO was caught zipping past the International Space Station, according to a conspiracy theorist who watches NASA NASA's round-the-clock live stream. And this was this is this goes back to September twenty-seventh, two thousand eighteen. Um, two questions that I have: um, first of all, what the hell are you doing watching NASA's round-the-clock live stream? <laughs> I mean, I appreciate some people apparently have more money than sense I, and more time than than anything else. You know, I mean, the thing is, is that are, are you going to be laying on your deathbed saying, you know, watching NASA life? It's just five more minutes, five more. <laughs> you know, I can't I can't see it. I mean, I, I, I could I could not imagine cuddling with my wife and kids on the couch watching the live feed. I, I think that after after five minutes they'd leave. But the thing is, he sa- he saw something. He he saw something, and it looks like one of the. Uh, it looks like not a circular UFO, but a triangular UFO. And the question is, is that okay? Now that we've made fun of <laughs> this guy's lifestyle, what do you think of the story? And. Well, okay. So, first of all, the the whole idea that there's alien life out there, I don't think that's really a stretch for us to say it's no. almost, it's practically a statistical impossibility that there is not intelligent life out there. Um, has some of it visited the Earth in the past? Who knows? You know, I think you know the, that ancient aliens show was it's it's fun to watch, but sometimes I look at it and I go, huh, they have a point. And other times I look at it and go, huh, they're smoking drugs. So <laughs> it's. <laughs> You know, so it's it's there's a lot out there that, you know, when you're looking at it, depending on your mindset of how open you are to considering things that you weren't taught in high school 30 years ago, that maybe it's true. There might be something there. Do I believe it's possible that an alien aircraft flew past the space station? I think it's possible. Do I think it likely? Hmm. Yeah. Not so much. You know, maybe it's possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, your your, your former co-host was very big on the Anunnaki and everything, but you know um ring the bell yeah. so you know but me personally what if it's why does it have to be an alien race why can't it be something else you know i mean the way science is now playing around with the concept of different dimensions i mean that's the whole thing behind the mandela effect right yeah so you've got all of these possibilities of things that can explain the unexplained but people discount them because they don't understand or are afraid of what that could mean for them yeah. right so i i think it's unlikely that it was an alien spacecraft i think it's more likely it was some space junk from something that yeah. no one any longer pays any attention to yeah doesn't mean that it wasn't a ufo as in an unidentified flying object because clearly if it's outside of the space station it's not on the ground 
So, you know, I just, I just, I'm not sure if it's an alien craft because personally, if they have the capability of interstellar travel, they also have the capability of monitoring or likely have the capability, I should say, of monitoring any of our communication efforts. You know, we're using Wi-Fi and radio and electromagnetic communications now and all this other kind of crap. Chances are if they are capable of interstellar, interstellar travel, they can pick up on that crap and they know we're there. So if they wanted us to know they were here, I don't think they would do it by doing a flyby of a space station that has six people on it. I'm also of the mind where they, you know, they are just so advanced and we are so primitive. They don't care. They, they just don't care. They don't. They're going to come and go as they please. And they're oblivious to well, whether or not we notice them or not. There's also well, that line of thinking. That's that's one line of thought. I think that's entirely too human. I mean, yeah. you could think of it in terms of the way, say, the, the English thought of things, the English, the Spanish and the French thought of things as they're exploring the quote unquote new world right mm-hmm. you know they didn't they didn't give a crap about the people that they found here <clears throat> excuse me yeah and to actually kind of segue a little bit into other areas of the paranormal mm-hmm. um you know the smithsonian for years and when i say years i mean up until recently they denied this actually actively downplayed and would denigrate anyone who put forth any opinion that the native peoples on this continent were capable of any of the higher forms quote unquote of civilization yeah and then they find sites like kohika where they you know now, apparently, at the height of Kohika's population, it was the highest populated city in the world yeah. at that time frame. It, it, there are no contemporary cities on any continent anywhere that we are aware of that were capable of sustaining the sort of population that Kohika enjoyed at that time. You know, and they're still finding stuff out about that. But, you know, there's there's science, the scientists and the people involved, right? So you have... What does science reveal? What does science find out? Then there's, is that acceptable to the people who are in charge of putting out that information? And if it isn't, they're going to bury it, right? If it doesn't conform to what they believe should be acceptable, they're going to bury it. We know this has. And then is there, you know, are there people who are even asking the right questions? I don't think so. I think there are, but I don't think we're hearing any of them. I don't think we're hearing the answers. I think they are answering, you know. I mean, after doing this podcast for so many years, talking about things like finding pyramids all over the globe, maybe even in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Um, you ha- And you ask yourselves, well, who's building these pyramids? And why are they all pyramids? Um, right. In and various shapes and sizes. set of answers, right? Who, I mean, there's the that? answers that was, po- that was postulated in Aliens versus Predator, which is that, you know, the aliens came here from somewhere else. Right. They're the ones that spoke to the natives, and that's the reason why we have pyramid structures all over the place. And then there's people that are like, well, the first thing you build when you have building blocks and you're two years old is a vaguely pyramidal structure that's yeah so, that, and that's true that's there you is know. there that and i will address the fact that that is that is a very strong possibility um and personally i think it's probably somewhere between the two yeah right you know like you look at the bent pyramid in egypt right mm-hmm. where the the bottom of the pyramid the pyramid's being built at a i forget if, if it was a 60 degree angle or or 50 degree yeah. angle and then all of a sudden as they go up further you can 
see fractures and, sh- and stress fractures in the structure itself. So then they change the side of the slope to 43 degrees and build the rest of the pyramid. And then all of the pyramids in Egypt after that are built at that 43 degree angle. Awfully looks a lot like they were learning something, don't it? It does. It does look like they were trial and error. It look, I'll, you know, it's, I'm not afraid to, uh, um, to yeah. address this. Here's something that I wanted to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, th- I thought this sort of, I- I'm on the fence about this, about, mm-hmm. about this show. Um, this is from, I believe that this is uh, from Live Space. Uh, alien hunting agents seek the truth about UFOs in, quote, Project Blue Book, end quote. This is from a story that was published eight days ago, October 10th. 2018, during the 1950s and 60s, were extraterrestrials visiting the United States. At the time, a, a separate, mm-hmm. a spat of planky sightings of unidentified flying objects thought to be, quote, alien, unquote, in origin were reported across the country from prompting the United States Air Force to create a top secret program dedicated to the investigation of the unexplained phenomenon related to UFOs. And it, right. and this is I think this is supposed to be a um, uh, a docudrama based on the classified files of whenever you yeah. say classified files you have to say it in kind of a hush reference yes you have to otherwise you know you're violating yeah. some sort of terms of service exactly including 700 cases of UFO related incidents that remain unsolved uh, okay so I, do you remember growing up there was a television series called Project Blue Book. oh yeah I was obsessed with that show yeah, so so was I yeah now now that I'm <clears throat> years old um, <laughs> you too huh yeah yeah yeah. I'm sorry. It's early in the morning for me. Yeah. Um, I look at things and I'm like, okay, well, what was going on back then? First yeah. of all, science fiction was really, really popular. Yeah, it was. Medium. That was when you had some of the great of science fiction authors that were out there. You know, Isaac Asimov. Um, you know, the list goes on. You you know the names even better than I do. Yeah. And they that was seizing the social consciousness. That was when even comic books were moving away from the brief period of the costumed vigilante yeah. and moving more towards the concept of the sci-fi space traveler. And you have like Buck Rogers mm-hmm. and Flash Gordon showing up out there. Um, the the works of Edgar Rice Burroughs, the the up more out there works of, of Edgar Rice Burroughs, like John Carter of Mars, for example, yeah. or the so-called uh, space and sword genre of Pulp Fiction. Yeah. That was actually becoming even more popular at that time. But also what was happening similarly in the United States was the 50s and the early part of the 60s were an age of conformity that the social consciousness was geared more towards, okay, we all have to play nice with each other. Let's not do anything too unexpected. Let's make sure we're all being nice and polite and good neighbors. Right. You know, that was that was the social consciousness at the time. Yeah. Everybody had to eventually, of course, led to the rebellion in the later Yep. Yep. So, um, so personally, I think Project Project Blue Book is potentially very fascinating. However, the way we look back on it, I, I sat through ten episodes of um, Alien, uh, the Alien Files Declassified show that was on Netflix for a bit. Yeah. And I have to tell you that um, that almost got me drinking heavily again because <laughs> it was just how can you take something so potentially fascinating and intellectually stimulating and turn it into a friggin' 
snooze fest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. It was awful. It was absolutely awful. Yes. But all we're going to get, like the the show in the 80s, right? Yeah. The Project Blue Book show in the 80s. I think it only lasted like two seasons. yeah, um, I thought it was late seventies, but okay. Yeah, it could be could be late seventies. I I don't remember. I was drinking heavily then. So um, the idea behind it is based upon the social conscious of the time. Same thing with the Project Blue Book show that's that they're doing now. Yeah, it's all predicated on what are we doing? And and today I think it's more about the government was lying to us because that's the way the social consciousness is. They they want to believe the government is lying to us and has been for decades. So that's going to be the thrust of the show. Um, I don't think it's really going to have much at all to do with there being actual aliens out there unless, like the X-Files, it's just a way for them to show us how the government's been lying to us and trying to keep us down. Um, Which is a shame to me because you could really explore some really crazy crap. I mean, you know, we've spoken before about Skywalker Ranch, which is out here in Utah. And there are other areas out there in the continental United States and external to it that are hotbeds of this paranormal activity, whether it be this more science fiction-y version mm-hmm. of it, which is Aliens Landing, or it's the more fantasy version of it where you have, you know, uh, sightings of Bigfoot and the uh, Chupacabra and yeah. whatever, you know. Um, you know, like I was watching, I was watching a YouTube channel the other day and they were talking about uh, the Thunderbirds. Yeah. Right? And the truth of the matter is Thunderbirds, there are... There are First Nations legends of Thunderbirds across the entire northern border of the United States. Everyone from the Pacific Northwest across to the the Atlantic Northeast. They all have legends in that area about about Thunderbirds. And this was talking about how, oh, they were probably just really, really large um, Indian condors or whatever. What is that you know? in the background? Oh, that's my furnace turning on because it's starting to get cold out here. Yeah. Can you hear it? I can. That sucks. Usually you can't. How about if I go in like this? Is it more? Yeah, there you go. It's a little better. Okay. Yeah, I just got to point the microphone in a different direction. Yeah. So For a, anyway, second, um, for a second there, I thought that you were on the runway. Jay, do you got to catch your flight? <laughs> well, we do have uh, Hill Air Force Base just on the other yeah. side of the highway up there. Yeah. So. Um, By the way, just as a uh, quickly in uh, just interjecting here, the name of the TV show in the 1970s, it was on NBC and it was called Project UFO. Okay, Project UFO. Yeah, but it was about Project Blue. It was. It was. Okay. All right. So, yeah, that was where the one scene I remember the most from it is a woman had a picture of a UFO and then they showed um, she had a wind chime in her window Mm -hmm. and the picture of the UFO looks suspiciously like a blurry picture of that wind chime. Yeah. Um, that was kind of like the iconic image that stuck with me when I was however old I was. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I personally, you know, going back to like the Thunderbirds, you know, they were basically saying, oh, they're just misunderstanding or misinterpreting. It's, you know, and it's to me that kind of takes some of the wonder out of the world. Yeah, it does. You know, and, and I would rather I would rather believe that there are things out there that we do not know, that we do not ex- understand. Yeah. Yeah. And if we think about it, the majority of our planet is really unexplored. Most of it's just underwater that we right. haven't explored yet. Yeah. Um, am I saying we're going to find the lost continent of Atlantis or Mu or anything like that? No, I don't. I don't necessarily believe that. Yeah. But at the same time, for hundreds of years, we've been told there's no such thing as a giant squid. And yeah. yet now you go to the Smithsonian Institute and they have a 
dried out specimen of a colossal squid. Yes. So there you go. Science. F you. Yeah. You know, and it's I, I love seeing things like that happen. Is it possible that there is a large hairy bipedal creature that exists in the still largely untouched virgin forests of the of the northwestern portion of the United States extending from Alaska all the way yeah. down into the into Oregon? Yeah. yeah, I think it's possible. Is it likely? Eh. Who knows? We haven't explored every square inch of that. Yeah. So it is possible, you know, um, and like, you know, then you have like the whole Nessie thing, right? The Loch Ness Monster. Loch Ness Monster. Uh, I'm less inclined to think the Loch Ness Monster exists. Yeah. Bigfoot, more likely simply because that ecosystem can support a beast like that. And if it's just smart enough, it would be very difficult to find it. Yeah. You know, I want to believe these things exist. I really do. But I, I kind of don't want to know for sure definitively yes or yeah. no if they exist. I you mean, know, and the yeah. same thing with, with aliens. I don't think one precludes the other and people tend to be you know you, you go to these some of these paranormal conferences sometimes and there's there's like a dividing line yeah and the people who are the alien hunters don't want to have anything to do with the people that are chasing down sasquatch right you know? right <laughs> and they're like it's like this imaginary line it's almost and it's really almost as bad as like star trek versus star wars yeah. you know what i mean if you're sitting there in the middle saying i like them both you get glared at by both exactly. sides. you're gonna take a beating you know <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get a nerd smack down by other geeks exactly you know? I, I, so yeah i just i find things like that interesting just because it speaks to who we are as people yep you know we we want to you know we want that echo chamber yep and i've been spending a lot of time talking about the social consciousness but yeah i promise you it's not going to be my version of the anunnaki it um, might it might and if it do, if it is it's okay i think that it's yeah. okay to talk about it, you know because the thing is is that that's a that's a huge problem that i have is that we're not talking about about the social consciousness of society because the thing is is that there is some there is something going on there is something going on within society where people that were that were never prone to talk about preemptive violence against other people are now talking about preemptive violence against other people because of their own political beliefs yeah. And that and that terrifies me. That genuinely scares well, me. The, the the nature of the social consciousness is morphing and changing thanks to the internet. Yeah. I don't think at any other time in our history as a people, yeah. regardless of what country you're talking about, we have never been able to isolate ourselves intellectually like we have since the advent of the internet. Yeah. I can go out and I can spend an entire day only looking at websites that talk about how the government is hiding the fact that they have alienated aliens in area 51 yep, yep. and I can spend literally 24 hours and never leave that mindset. I can go out and I can spend 24 hours and never leave the mindset of the Loch Ness monster exists. This is how it exists. This is, you know, how everything yeah. worked and they can explain everything from a pseudoscientific standpoint. And at the end of those 24 hours, you come out of it thinking, wow, that is definitely possible. And then you extrapolate that and you apply it to anything else, whether it's politics, religion, anything you can go out there and and you can find an echo chamber and never leave that echo chamber. Right. And be prior to that, you had to deal with people who had those different ideas. You had to deal with people who just disagreed with you. They weren't necessarily out there. They were just, you know, hey, I, I just look at this different. And you had no choice but to deal with them because you couldn't just stay inside your own house and still communicate with people the way you can today. And I think that is really why we're seeing the kind of things we are. You have the people who can't handle the concept of being wrong. You have the people who can't handle the idea that 
the things that they've been told by people in places of authority are not believed by everybody. Yep. And so they're rebelling against it. And I think that's that's a sad commentary on the state of the people that are in those belief systems, right? Yeah. And, you know, ironically, living out here in Utah, I, I see that to a lesser extent. All right, everyone, when, when you say Utah, the two things people think of is sister wives and the LDS church, Mormons, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that out here in Utah, there are two kinds of people. There are people who are members of the LDS Church, and there are people who absolutely despise the LDS Church. And there's not really a whole lot of people in between there. There's not a lot of, there's no, you'll rarely find someone in this state who doesn't feel strongly about the LDS Church in one way or another. Really, yeah. You really won't. You just won't. Yeah. Because for the first few years of its existence, the Utah Territories were a theocracy and it was ruled by the church. So the church culture is very much a part of the popular culture. Um, being, well, I, I don't really consider myself LDS anymore, but, but having come out here as someone who was LDS, when the faith was in a minority, a decided minority from my previous place of yeah. residence, it was a shock to me the way they acted and behaved because they were in that echo chamber. Yeah. You know, and they were there. And that to me is basically what's happening on the Internet. That's basically what we're seeing. You have the people out there who are saying Elizabeth Warren proved that she has Native American blood in her. So she's, you know, you know, President Trump needs to donate a million dollars that he said he yeah. was going to donate. First of all, what in hi- the history of the past two and a half years makes you think President Trump is going to ever admit he's wrong or that he will actually donate something to something that he doesn't want to donate to? So you're basically in your own kind of paranormal experience if you believe that. <laughs> yeah. Second of yeah. all, one ten twenty fourth, you have more, you have less. No, you have more in common with a pig yeah. at that point yeah. than you do with the Native American peoples. Yeah. And as the Cherokee tribe rightfully pointed out, all that proves is that you have common ancestry. That doesn't mean anything. No. That doesn't mean tribal affiliation. I have Native American ancestry, but I don't claim tribal affiliation. I yeah. believe from the research I've done that most likely my Native American ancestry stems from the Abenaki tribe. You and, and me both. On my mother's side and on my father's side, yeah. it probably stems from the Iroquois or the Algonquin tribe. Yep. I'm not claiming to be Algonquin or Abenaki. I'm trying to learn more about those cultures because of that historical connection yeah. within my within my makeup. But it doesn't mean I'm saying I'm an Abenaki. You know, it doesn't mean I'm saying I'm an, I'm an Algonquin. Now, to be fair and trying being as politically neutral as possible when looking at this, why does it matter? I think it has a lot to do with the fact that people are looking for a tribe to belong to. People are so disconnected from families, their neighborhoods, where they live. They're looking for some kind of identity that will help mm-hmm. them feel more whole, if anything. Listen, I mean, look, look at, you know, our our communities that we have on Facebook. People want to be- belong to this tribe or that tribe, this group or that group. Um, there's the whole controversy within um, uh, a geek nerd um, the community. Like you had right. mentioned earlier, the fight between Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans. You have to be one or the other. You can't be both. There's a, there's a lot of that. I think that there's this the cyber tribalism that is causing a lot of these really bizarre fights. People who fight over some of the most inane things you could possibly imagine. And you have other people who, in the realm of politics, I understand why, and I don't want to get into which side is, is right or wrong, because they're both wrong. I'll just mm-hmm. put it out that way. The thing is, is that 
you cannot look at one political party as being pure good and they never do anything wrong and the other party that is pure evil and they never do anything right. There are people on both sides. People are people. And it, you cannot wish away the complexities by saying, by boiling it down to one party or the other. Right. Can one party believe and espouse one thing that you that is, is you're totally against? Oh, absolutely. That happens all the time. But to say that yeah. one party is more evil than the other, I think is ridiculous. Because, I mean, after studying government cover-ups and conspiracies, I can tell you <laughs> both political parties have blood on their hands. Yeah. And, and, but the, the, I, the notion that you must be on my side or else... And we cannot be friends. I know that you're my Uncle Bob and you took me fishing when I was eight as one of my cherished childhood memories. But if you don't vote the way I do, I can't love you anymore. I have to shun you. That is a sickness and disease that's become a pathogen in yeah. American society. It has. And, and, if and not we're the, seeing it yeah. all over the place, expressed different the, ways. If not the, the rest of the world, where you have people who belong to the same religion, but within sex, like the Catholics and the Protestants and the way they fight against each other or in the Muslim communities you got the Shi- Sunni and the Shia and the way that they mm-hmm. fight against each other and it was like we are and, I, and I'm telling you I know this sounds like a conspiracy theory but it seems to me as if we are purposely being kept apart from each other because you know um, united we stand divided we fall and there is great divisiveness and I can't help but wonder if there's the quote establishment that wants it that way so they can continue so the, well, the, the rich can the, get richer and the poor can get poor i'm that's what it looks like i'm sorry well are you familiar with the the actual history of the actual illuminati the, the so-called bavarian illuminati are you familiar with their with that history of it uh, before you get how much how much more time do you have oh i suppose i should start working in the next 30 minutes or so okay <laughs> i mean can you give me a brief um yeah a, a brief rundown a, a brief a brief overview the the illuminati was an organization. It started off, if I remember correctly, and it, it was. It's been a while since I actually looked it up. But the Bavarian, Bavarian Illuminati was actually an organization of of people that wanted to, if I remember correctly, they were educated people. I don't remember if they were college students or college professors, and they wanted to get together and discuss things much similar to what the way we're discussing them. And they called themselves the Illuminati because they were brought into the light of yep. enlightenment, right? Uh-huh. They were playing on, on, on things that way. And they delved a little bit into what we would call the occult. Um, but at the time, it was just spiritualism is how they termed it. And they never thought to control the world. They never sought to be anything more than influencers of public consciousness to continue with the theme of the show. Um, yep. and, the, and that's it. You know, there was a lot of they were really kind of a initially a response to the Freemasons, mm-hmm. um, because at the time it was believed that the Freemasons controlled the world, much like a lot of people will talk about, like the the Pentabarit or the yeah. um, the Illuminati nowadays or the establishment. It was the big bad boogeyman that was a secret organization that was controlling everything, including your own thoughts. Yeah. And the Illuminati were created to as a way of as a means of combating that. Um, there's a number of Auschwitz organizations like the Rosicrucians, for example. Um, and then that was, if I remember correctly, that was in the 1800s, the 1700s, that time frame. I'm not I mean, I realize that's an entire century. So it's but, you know, it's it's somewhere in that area of time. 
And the Freemasons, depending on which um, history you choose to go with, are an organization that's either hundreds of years old or thousands of years mm-hmm. old. Um, the the common Freemason rites that are out there today pretty much started in the 16 and 1700s. And so, you know, looking back on that and you look at how things have morphed and the way we think of those things, it's not unusual that in our society, even with all of the science and, and everything, all of the advances we've made, we need a boogeyman. Yeah. We need to point at something and say it's 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 their fault. It's not our fault because we don't – the last thing we all want to do is look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you screwed up. Right. You know, and uh, to me, I can't blame something as amorphous, innocuous and malevolent as some sort of organization. Right. Yeah. I don't think there there is a, a you know, I, I don't I don't think there is an intentional a group of people who are intentionally saying, OK, you guys report things this way in the news. You guys report things this way in the news. And that way there will keep them divided. And then, OK, at the college level, we want your college professors doing this kind of a thing. And yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone has that much power. I really don't. I think it's more just human nature, right? You have people that are in positions of power within certain news organizations that feel strongly about certain politics yeah. in a certain way, and they editorialize and edit and make bigger news out of stories that prove their point because that's human nature. There's nothing malevolent or malicious about it. It's just human nature. And, you know, you've got college professors. A lot of the college professors nowadays are people who were part of the great societal upheaval in the U.S. in the 1960s and 70s. You know, they weren't necessarily the flower children, but they were simply certainly sympathetic to that movement. And now they're the establishment. And, you know, they've become the enemy at this point. So they're trying to prove to themselves, first of all, that they're not a sellout. So that's why they they tend to espouse certain beliefs and, and ideals. Um, because that's the way they felt when they were younger. And to me, the saddest thing is the inability to grow as a person. I think that that idea of being able to look at yourself in the mirror and saying, you done screwed this one up. And what can you do differently in the future? How can you make this better? If you can't make it better, how can you prevent yourself from doing this same thing again? That, I think, is the key element of humanity where we can grow, we can learn from our mistakes. This is why we are the dominant species on the planet right now. And our right now. ability to go. Yeah, exactly. Right now. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> the dinosaurs had a, had a wildly different mindset at the time. Yeah. Um, we were snacks. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but I think that's a scary thing to do, though, to actually look in the mirror and say, and, and when I was in AA for a short while, I used to look at the mice. One of the things that they, they teach you is that you need to look at all your problems. And what's the one thing that all of your problems have in common? You me. Me, all um, I am the cause of all of my problems and all of my mistakes, and mm-hmm. I admit that. I admit that freely and openly. I am many times I am the cause of my own mistakes. Does that make me a bad person? Let's talk about that later. But the I think there there is. <laughs> Let's talk about that after another drink. Exactly. Uh. The the but I, what the 
one of the things that we've always wanted to do here, you know, either on this podcast or everywhere else on the Fedora Chronicles is, yes, while at the same time, yes, of course, we want to reintroduce and incorporate some of the jazz era style and the aesthetic into our modern day lives in the 21st century. Yes. But let's also do some things that will expand our consciousness to some extent. Let's look at what's really going on. Here's a book review that I think that you need to read. Here's a book about the deep state, which is something I'm, I'm going to be working on in November. You know, I'm going to be publishing some reviews on books on the deep state. And and lobbyists have more power in Washington, D.C. than congressmen, senators, and judges. I'm sorry. That's, that's just... A, that's a show in and of itself. That's man. a show. That a show and in and of itself. We should do a show on the deep state. We should actually invite some authors to talk about the deep state. And, yeah. and But the, there is this notion of somehow we have to believe that there is this higher power, there's a secret organization, that is in control of everything and is making bad things happen. I am of the impression that there are bad things that happen for no other reason other than the fact of our own human frailties and we screw up and we're short-sighted. I, well, there it's are like the, other times. It, you look at the, the story of Nixon, yeah. right? his fall from power in the presidency. Yeah. This is a guy who took 95% of the electoral college. Yeah. He had over 70, 70 or 80% of of the popular vote, yeah. he had to resign. Yeah. That is wildly, wildly opposite in a few short years. Because yep. you got to remember, the presidency is only four years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, granted, he got reelected. He was in, but still, his reelection numbers are the ones I'm talking about. He was wildly popular. And then less than four years later, he had to resign and he resigned yeah. in shame. And now his name means mud. And yeah. what did he do? Yeah. It's all, he was it, talking dirty. Yeah. He, he was talking dirty on the microphone. He was, you know, and, and, and all, yeah. The whole thing about the cover-up of Watergate. What? It was why? Exact, that's, why? And that's my point. And the thing is, it's why? And but the thing is, you, you, I mean, you look at okay. There's not. I don't think that there's a huge conspiracy to bring Richard Nixon down. Richard Nixon brought himself down. But you look at the Kennedy assassination. I cannot believe, knowing what I know now, the years of research that I've read, all the books that I've read. Everything that I've watched, there's no way that you can convince me anymore. I am beyond hope for some of the for the for the Warren Committee apologists. There's no way that Lee Harvey Oswald shot the president with a man liquor carcano. It's it's mechanically impossible to have done fired those three shots. You have all the witnesses who were there at Daily Plaza who all say. The, the 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 shots came from be, the, the other side of that picket fence. You, that's it. It's done. And yeah. the thing is, is that people want to to say everything is conspiracy. Everything is a conspiracy. Right. And, and honestly, I, I, can't, I can't. I can't. That that that's one bridge I can't cross. Well, that's why we call them conspiracy theorists, right? Yeah. Because everything boils down to the conspiracy. Yeah. It's what's important is the conspiracy. It's not the nature of the conspiracy itself. It is yeah. the fact that it's a conspiracy and that's what they obsess over. So if you want to talk about modern day conspiracies, how much do we know about the Las Vegas shooting? You know what? There's a lot of conflicting information and I don't that's feel, my I, point. And I feel that's very, point. I feel very conflicted and I feel very, I, I'm very much afraid to talk about the, the cover up behind the Las Vegas shootings. Well, it, here's the thing. Why yeah. do you use the term cover up? Yeah, exactly. Why does it have to be cover up? What, what if, for example, 
in the 1990s, uh, a friend of mine was raped and murdered in a small western Massachusetts yeah. town. They recently arrested the guy who did it. Yeah. Okay. They have him confessing to another inmate and they know he did it. Yeah. Okay. What led to his arrest was advances in DNA technology wherein they actually had created an image of what he probably looks like based on DNA evidence. That's scary. Isn't it? It really is. Absolutely fascinating when you look at it from a purely technological yeah. standpoint. However, why did it take 30 years? We didn't have the technology back then, Jay. We didn't have the, that no. technology 30 no. years ago. No. What? Because there was a cover-up. You know what the cover-up was? What's that? Law enforcement didn't do their job properly. You know, and that's... Now, it's not. Yeah. It's not. They didn't... They weren't trying to hide the fact that the murder happened. They weren't trying to say that, oh, it was this other guy. It couldn't possibly have been this guy. What it was is some very kind of small human errors happened, and then the higher-ups didn't want people thinking that their cops were incompetent. Yeah. So, they tried saying things and presenting evidence in a certain way so that they wouldn't look incompetent. Right. Once they got past that, they were able to start tracing things down and gathering intelligence and doing the, the grunt work, police work, that the police, frankly, tend to do very well. Yeah. So, you know, so in my opinion, the cover-up is usually the reason why it becomes worse than the crime is because of that inability to look in the mirror and say, you done screwed up. Yeah. How are you going to fix it? That's how hard. How are you going to prevent it from happening in the future? That's hard. And fixing it does not mean how do you hide it. Fixing it is you have to admit you did it wrong, and then you have to conf confront yep. the fact that you yep. did it wrong. And you have to do so publicly. So, for example, example, as, as you know, I'm going through a divorce. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I have been criticized by, by some close friends and family is why are you trying to blame yourself for something you didn't do? And I'm not trying to blame myself. It's I'm trying to take that effort, looking at myself in the mirror and saying, what did you do wrong? Um, my wife left me. She fell in love with another person. Mm -hmm. Why did she do that? You know, is what did I do? What did she do? And I'm not trying to say that it's all my fault because it isn't. But I'm not trying to say it's all her fault. Every breakup is the fault of both people in the yeah. relationship. So what could I do better in future relationships to prevent this from happening? What? Can, and it's not a simple thing as just pick a better person. It has more to do with over the past 20 years, there were little things. I keep referring to it as the 10,000 cuts. There were yeah, the little yeah. things that we did that we sniped at each other. And we let those little things become so big because we never addressed them. Right. You know, I'm at fault for that as much as she is. She took a much larger step and I'm not claiming responsibility for that. Right. I'm also not entirely blaming her either. You know, yeah. she did what she did. It's not up to me to, to, to place blame because how is that going to improve me as a person? How is that going to help my kids get through the situation or anything like that? So I have to look internal at myself. And that is something I think the more I do it to myself, the more I realize a lot of people escape it because you, you end up facing some really uncomfortable truths about yourself. Yeah. And I think especially when you get to people like Trump, when you get to people like Elizabeth Warren and you get to people like the Clintons, they don't want to do that. And it has nothing to do with an inability to do that. They just don't want to. Yeah. They don't want to admit they might have been wrong. You know what I mean? And, you know, you can say that about Richard Nixon as well. 
he did not want to go to the public and say, was I doing opposition research? Of course I was. Every politician does opposition research because that's effectively what he did. Yeah. Did I talk shit about them behind closed doors? Of course I did. I'm a human being. <laughs> he didn't want to do that. He wanted to he wanted to be presented because, again, at that time frame, if you were in a position of authority, you had to be well spoken. You had to be educated. You had to be in charge of your emotions. Out of that, we still have those expectations. What is the big thing everyone says about Judge Kavanaugh? He didn't have a judicial demeanor. Yeah. As you're calling him a rapist. Well, he I, got yeah. a, he got emotionally involved because yeah. you're calling him a rapist. What conversations was he having with his with, with his wife and kids? And why is it so horrible that someone gets angry when you're accusing them of something political? You know, something personal. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Personally, if he didn't, if he handled it as nonchalant, I would be more inclined to think he did it. You I, know? I, I as it stands, I have no fucking idea. I got no clue. <laughs> I, I do think that there is something that has occurred in our country to the extent and trying to pull this back into the metaphysical connection. Yeah. I do think that there there has something has happened to our collective mindset where we have become more tribalized. There is this more tri- tribalism. And and you look at these things, whereas it's like, here is something that happened at a place. I wasn't there. I wasn't even in the state. I wasn't at that house. I wasn't in the room. I wasn't in the party. I have no idea what happened there. I have no idea to insist that somehow you must know because you're picking the, the correct side is inc- it's a, nobody's going to remember this guy's name five years from now. Nobody is right. going to be able to name all the justices on the Supreme Court. Nobody. No, uh, with me. Well, there's going to be somebody. I mean, I think the know, vast, ma- let, let's just say t- 90% of the population yeah. cannot name right. all the justices on the Supreme Court. I can't name all the justices on the Supreme Court. It, when it comes right down to it, 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 it's, it doesn't affect me, quote, that much. But that's one of the reasons why we have podcasts like this to talk about things that are that are excited, exciting and to see if whether or not they, they connect somehow, some way. And that there is and we wonder, is there a conspiracy? Is there a conspiracy on Kavanaugh's side or is a conspiracy on uh, Christina Blase Ford or whatever? And it was we want to so often we want to believe that that there's a conspiracy that made this happen and just realize these are messed up human beings who are trying to just get ahead and, and get away with whatever it is. One last news. What is there anything else? Yeah. The, the one thing I, I do want to point out, and it, it almost feels like we're kind of starting re- rebooting the entire podcast and establishing our yeah. roles within it. But the one thing that I think is fascinating about all of this is we want to believe in the higher power. We want to believe that there is that that creature that is escaping science. We want to believe that there are those aliens and that they've come down and they've made changes on the earth. And we want to believe all of that. There is that little part in all of us that want to believe that. The only difference is on the skeptic side, they're the people who are afraid that it might be true. And on the other side, the people who do believe it, they want to believe that it's true. Mm -hmm. But the truth is everyone wants to believe that there's something like that out there. It's like the pessimist optimist thing, right? So whether, whether you're talking about the chupacabra, whether you're talking about Sasquatch, 
aliens from outer space, um, the grand conspiracy, whether it's the you think of it as the Illuminati or the deep state or however, whatever term you want to use. All of that is because we want to believe there's more going on than what is just in front of us. Yeah. Because the truth is, we don't always understand what it is in front of us. We don't understand what it is we're seeing. Yep. Um, I tend to be more spiritual of a person. I tend to believe that, you know, hey, honestly, we're human. Every single one of us is human. We all make mistakes. We're none of us perfect. Yeah. Some of us want to present like we are. Usually those people become politicians and CEOs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the most, to me, the, the best people that I've met are those who have the power and the ability to look at themselves, see their own faults and acknowledge them. Um, ideally, they would want to move past them if they can, or yeah. at least take them into account when they do things in the future. Yeah. And that's the kind of person I'm trying to be now. You know, that's the kind of person that I, I think I've always tried to be growing up and in even raising my kids. I wanted to raise my kids so that they realize, hey, I'm not perfect. Yep. I make mistakes, you know. Um, I don't think perfection is a goal that we can achieve, nor do I think it's an, a goal we should achieve, you know, because attaining perfection is a movable target. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you define perfect? What is a perfect human? What is a perfect being? Is it is it because, you know, they've got rock hard six pack abs that you can crack walnuts on? Or is it someone that is capable of when the chips are down, doing whatever it takes to ensure you're going to get past it? You know, there's different kinds of strength. There's different kinds of perfection. Yeah. And I just want to be the best person I can be. And I can't do that unless I know where I'm falling down and where I'm not. Conversely, on the social side, on the social consciousness side, and as us as a, as a people, as just beings, yeah. a group of beings, we all want to find commonality and it's more comfortable for us to find that, that commonality. But at the same time, we also want to take those risks. This is why it doesn't matter what the speed limit is. You have people going over the speed limit yeah, because they want to push it. They want to push themselves. They, they Either they're getting some sort of adrenaline rush from it. Or they just want to know that they can, you know, and they feel like they're getting away with something. Yeah. Not everyone has the same motivations. We tend to ascribe our own motivations on other people. So what we accuse other people of tend to be more revealing about what we think of ourselves. Yeah. Or how we think ourselves. And those are the kinds of things that to me are fascinating, especially when you compare it to conspiracy theories, when you compare it to the the things, the paranormal, whether you want, whether it's aliens or the chupacabra or whatever. Um, those are the, the unknown parts of the world that people, they want to talk about when they're sitting around a campfire at two o'clock in the morning, but they don't want to talk about it when the sun's shining and they're sitting in their suit in the business meeting. Yeah. You know, well, speak for yourself. I mean, I, I would, I would, I would, I've been in business meetings where I would rather talk about, Hey, you know, there's this news item, UFO news Did NASA just film an earth size alien cube entering the sun from the UK express. Did it really happen? Or is it a pixelation in in the uh, in the camera from some raw data that may have cropped up between the lens and the and and the image processor? I don't know. I but I want to believe it. I want to believe it's true. Um, no, I, I want to believe I, it's possible. I want to believe that there's actually space elves out there that are going in, and what that space cube is is actually they're recharging the batteries in the sun. Wouldn't that would see that would be awesome? I would. I, I honestly, I mean, a lot of these things that I see, I think that they are artifacts. They're digital artifacts within the camera or the or the right. or the graphics processor. I'd rather, <laughs> I, you know, I, my my gut tells me that it's 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 aliens. My 
head is saying, uh, "No, dummy, that's yeah, that's a that's a problem with the camera, or yeah. you know, there's there's something wrong with the signal." And I I think that there is, uh, you know, and this is a topic for another podcast because we're looking at the time. We you know we got to head out. Um, I think that that's what people want to do. People people want the mystery. They want the universe to be more complex and more organized at the same time. The, the people want love the spontaneity, but they want to believe that there is some secret organization that is controlling every aspect of our lives. So we have somebody to blame. I'm going to blame the Illuminati because I, I bruised my elbow on the corner of the door as I was leaving yesterday. Somehow it was the Illuminati. I stubbed right. I stubbed my toe, uh, you know, while while walking around in the dark. Uh, um, the uh, the local politician has it out for me, and she snuck into the house in the middle of the night and moved the coffee table six inches, <laughs> just just so that you could try exactly your toe in the morning. Exactly. And she's going to sit in her Senate meeting and go. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm gonna get, his toe. <laughs> and I'm gonna get his dog too I mean there right. is that notion of it and it was like and and you know what the thing is is it's true and it's not true there there are people who are controlling things like they're like they're controlling interest rates behind closed doors at the Federal Reserve we know that's true we know that there right. are rogue elements within the government that's doing things that are illegal that do affect our lives there are pe- yep. there are lobbyists who pay politicians to vote on a specific way on a, on a on a bill that they probably wrote themselves. There's a lot of that going on. And I think that, and there are people who are searching for spiritual answers to the huge questions to, to the universe. And I think that that's something we're going to continue to explore that in this podcast. So really quickly, any last words, Jay? Not really. I mean, um, I kind of wish we did get a chance to talk more about that cube flying into the sun because we could have so much fun with that. <laughs> but in in future podcasts, you know, um, and I hope we I hope people actually kind of like this one, even though we didn't really talk a lot about much. But hell, yeah. Seinfeld was on for 10 years and they didn't talk about anything anyway. Exactly. So um, this I think, yeah, yeah the- I, I think with this podcast, we can we can do anything. We can talk about anything. We can talk about the conspiracy theories and all of that and i honestly i just want to have fun with it man yeah. you know yeah i just want to have fun i hope the audience if we're having fun i hope the audience has fun and you know hey if they feel like kicking something back to patreon great go ahead and do it so <laughs> buy a t-shirt or coffee mug at, at zazzle.com slash fedora chronicles and uh, 12 percent of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast on the air a little info commercial there there and, we go and if you have ideas that you'd like to see on any of our zazzle products just let us know i think that the important thing is is that what folks don't seem to also realize is that i'm not doing this for me i'm not doing this for you i'm doing it for our listeners and if the listeners say hey i, I got something i want to talk about i want them to know that they can come on and then by the way this saturday um we are going to have a. Uh, I'm going to. I did an interview with um, the author of the book, The Real Witches of New England, and it's a phenomenal conversation. I cannot wait for people to hear it. And talking about the real history of what happened to uh, witches in uh, New England and everything that had occurred and led up to the Salem witch trials. It's an exciting show. I cannot wait for people to listen to. 
we got that going on and I um, we have other interviews that are coming up and I, I it's it's an exciting time for the podcast and it's also scary oh, yeah I'm looking forward to that Salem witch trials show I've okay. been to Salem a couple of times really? I love it I, I, I love that area that's just it's a it's a beautiful area of New England geographically right and the history behind it is just so fascinating it really is and, and yeah that's gonna be yeah. a fun one all right, Jay, I'm going to let you head to work. I, I got some phone calls I have to answer. So with that said, thanks for a great show. Thank you, man. Look forward to the next one. All right. Talk to you soon, Jay. All right. Bye-bye. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. You can be a part of the metaphysical connection between shows by joining us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook by going to our metaphysical connection group and following us on Twitter at PhysicsLaxative. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes, and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them, yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. This is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, Fedora on.